The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. If you have a Bible, um, we're just going to kind of close this up by looking at John 13 real quick. And I have a few things just to kind of comment on. And I promise, like, we're not trying to be like a monologue church or something like that. I just think it's helpful to end on what does the Bible have to say about this. So if you have a Bible... Uh, we are going to be over in uh, John 13. What I want to point out here is the very thing that we've been talking about from John 13. So John 13, in, at, the end, in the, at the end of John 13, Jesus says this, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's, frankly, that's exactly what we've been talking about this entire time of how do we love other, each other and love other people in such a way that Jesus is highlighted in that. So I want to go back to the beginning of John 13 and just make a few observations about this passage, and then we will pray and close this up. The beginning of John 13 says this. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from the Father and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment taking a towel tied around his waist. Here we have this critical moment. This is in terms of Holy Week. That is this coming Thursday. That's just, this is the moment where Jesus does the Lord's Supper that we're going to celebrate here in a few moments. This is a critical moment where Jesus is saying, I know what's about to happen and I want it to happen and I'm walking into it. And what John 13 does is it grounds us in this reality that Jesus knows all the cards that are in play. Like, Judas, we all kind of know Judas. I don't know if you've ever had a friend named Judas, but I've had like, it just seems like as somebody who's named children before, I had children, um, it seems like a weird name to give your child given that this is the guy that is known as the betrayer of all betrayers. Jesus knows that Judas has this betrayal card in his hand. Jesus knows that Judas, Judas is going to betray him. Jesus knows that he is about to walk towards the cross. Jesus knows what is about to happen. He's about to become, as we read earlier in our scripture passage, a political pawn, right? Where people are going to make political transactions. You think Republicans and Democrats are bad. Imagine doing that with Jesus. Like we're going to send him up to the hill and then we're going to send him back to the White House and we're going to send him back up to the hill. That's basically what's going on here. And Jesus knows that everything is about to come down into a pressure cooker of everything that's going on. And it says that he rose up, got up from the dinner table and loved his own to the end. What Jesus is about to do is critical, not only just to the nature of us being saved, but it reflects something about the nature of what Jesus wants his people to be like. We go through the history of God's people. God is always inviting us into something that he's doing. God's always inviting us. So you think about, we just read, we're preaching through Genesis. And what does God do with Adam? God creates Adam and says, Adam, I want you to join me in making this place look great. Adam and Eve, I want you to make this place more Eden, extend Eden beyond. 
And then you have, for example, Abraham. We're going to get to that in Abraham here in a minute. God calls Abraham into his mission to be a part of being a God for all types of people, right? Abraham is a moon worshiper that God calls out of darkness, makes him a worshiper of God himself, and then says, Abraham, I'm going to bless all people through you. Abraham's people, they eventually get uh, captive, uh, end up in Egypt. And then as God goes in to demolish all of the gods of Egypt, right? That's what the 10 plagues are about. It's God's war battle against all the gods of Egypt. He destroys them. He kills, um, he kills off Pharaoh through the Red Sea. And as God is leading his people out of, the, of Egypt, we find this very curious verse in, in Exodus. I just want to draw your attention to We'll visit it at some point again. Exodus 12, 37 to 38. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sikkath, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. So that's probably about you know a million and a half or more people. And it was a, the Bible says, a mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. You see, when God comes into Egypt to destroy the gods that are enslaving his people, this mixed multitude is a bunch of Egyptians along the way who are kind of like this Yahweh guy who saves his people seems like a lot better God to worship and to enjoy than our Egyptian gods. And so as God is saving his people, he's bringing people into his community that weren't there before. He's bringing new people in. And then as God's people go through the Old Testament, they end up in exile. Again, we'll get to that at some point. And as we've talked about several times recently, Jeremiah 29, 7 God says to his people who are out in exile, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will also find your welfare. See, there is this pattern all over the Bible over and over again, where God calls us into his presence to be a part of his people, to enjoy what he's doing, to be a part of it and to extend it. And other people who aren't a part of it get in on the game, right? That's what we're talking about with being evangelism or mission, whatever you want to call it. It's new people coming to God and enjoying him. So when Jesus gets here then in John 13 and says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. The people who heard this originally have been like, well, that's not a new commandment. They would have heard in their minds, Leviticus 19, 18, or 19, 17. Can we go to that slide here? You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So Jesus is saying here, on the eve of his execution, on the eve of the cross, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Quite simply, what's going on here? Jesus, as we've just saw it, said, he knows one of his 12 besties is about to betray. His religious leaders are about to use him as a political pawn with their government overlords. His friends are about to all abandon him. He is about to, amidst all of those things, which sound overwhelming to you and me, walk into the very wrath of God so that we might be saved from the wrath of God and experience the smile of God's love forever. And it's in that very painful context that Jesus says, I'm loving you the way you should love each other in this exact moment. 
I'm aware of all the pain and trouble and, and, and wrath that I'm about to walk into. And yet this is love to embrace those contexts, to embrace those things so that other people might not be alone in their suffering. So that in the midst of what I am stepping into on your behalf, you experience my presence with you for grace and mercy. See, Jesus, by stepping into the wrath that we deserve, breaks its power over us and gives us God's mercy alongside him. See, Jesus, it's the context of him saying these words, love other people the way I love you. It's that context that gives this power, to give new power to this commandment. Because this commandment is, yeah, love other, your neighbor as yourself with self-sacrificial love, with self-giving love, with a love that is present and for other people. See, that's what we get come this Good Friday. Jesus loves us and gives himself for us in the midst of all that we have going on. And that is then what he calls us to be like and how we love each other. This isn't going to be a long extra sermon (laughs) in the service. So what I want to do is just simply say, what does that mean for us and how we live our life together. So let me just say quite simply, from verse 35, the question that we ask is, who are we? By this, all people in Manchester and the surrounding areas will know that you are my disciples, if you have this kind of love for one another. In the midst of the Christian community, there is only Jesus between us. This Hope Center exists because people gather together around finding recovery together, walking the 12 steps, NAA meetings, whatever it is. But recovery is what draws this, this community together. Think about your workplace. What calls you together as your workplace? Well, you're trying to make money doing this or that, right? What calls you together in, I don't know, a bar? We're all here to have a few drinks together. In this place... What brings us together is Jesus himself, period, right? Not, I would say quite humbly, not because we are a super cool church, (laughs) not because we have our act together, not because we have the answers for everything. Between you and me exists only Jesus Christ himself, not an agenda, not a party, not something else between you and me is the grace and mercy and person of Jesus Christ himself. That is the only thing that brings us together. And so between us, as we go through our life together and our discipleship together and what it means to be followers of Jesus together, there is always a third person in the conversation. Somebody who is absolute mercy and compassion and power himself, not, not you or me. So that we have this type of self-giving, sacrificial love for each other. So who are we together? We are people who do not have our act together, who offer our non-act together person to each other and receive in each other people who don't have their act together between us that it's called a mediator is Jesus, Jesus Christ himself, the one who is perfect and holy, and good. So that whatever problems we have, he's the one we're looking to for help, not each other. 
And in the midst of those needs, that is where we find the mission of Jesus extending. So let's just, this one last question, and I can send these questions out. I think this is a good place for us to think about these in the small groups together. The second question to ask is, how do we need? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. I think Peter was getting at this in our Q&A earlier. But what are the places in your life where you experience need? What are those? What do they look like? What are the exp- places in your life where you experience joy? Those are the very things that your neighbors who don't know Jesus experience the very same things. And our job as Christians is not to wall ourselves off from those because from other people because we don't have our act together. In fact, it's in the midst of those joys and needs that living beside them, we only have the different ingredient of Jesus that separates us. Right? It's not because I know how to do parenting great. It's not because I know how to do my work life great or productivity great. It's not because I know how to figure out recovery great, any of those things. It is, in fact, the only difference between me and my non-Christian friend is that Jesus listens to my prayers and has redeemed me and wants to redeem them too. That's the only difference. We both have the same needs. I just happen to have the ear of the Creator, and He's eager for that for them to hear His for to hear their prayers too. So when we look at this, just as I have loved you, Jesus steps into an overwhelming experience betraying friends, political turmoil, family strife. Let's not remember all that stuff that has he had going on and says, I've loved you. Now, continue to do this for your neighbors and friends. So when we come to this command, it says, you don't have the, the context for what it means to be missional or, or join God's mission. What are the areas of your being overwhelmed? What are the areas of your struggle? What are the areas of your need? And then just be with Jesus in those with other people. We do share who Jesus is, so it's not to say we don't talk about Jesus. But it's not like you have to go find something else. (laughs) Your, Your life is overwhelming enough. Follow Jesus in the midst of that and show what it means to love other people with his power is sufficient for mission. One thing I just want to put on your radar, and then I'm going to close here in a second because we're running out of time, sorry, is uh, back in 2020, when we were designing kind of the budget for the church, we were like, we're going to give money towards people building friendships and being together with other people. (laughs) And then I don't know if you remember, um, there's this little thing called the pandemic, which basically said, don't get together with other people for public safety's sake. And so we kind of got hijacked on that one. What I want to put back on your radar is in the this year, we'll send out more information soon. If you have something with your friends where you just want to build time together, backyard barbecue, you want to get together, do something like that, just send us a part of the bill or we'll talk through like how to financially make sure that that happens so it's not a financial burden for you to be able to then build friendship and context together with other people. I think that's really one of the most important things we can do. Give money towards you being friends with other people in your neighborhood and see what God does with that. See what God does with that so that we can live out this very command so that as Jesus has loved you, what does it then look like to take that Jesus and with him join the people that are around you? You guys cool with that? Let's pray and we'll continue to worship the Lord together.
God, as we have looked at this passage together, and we've talked about what it means to be missional in the Q&A before, God, there's just so much that you're doing in us and stirring in us. Would we walk away with a certain confidence that you are pleased with us and living among us and working through us? Not because we deserve it, but because you're that type of God. So it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.